0: Lecture Topic The Path of Islam, Session 1 The purpose of our gathering is nothing that we are unaware of. The fazl of Allah, these kind of gatherings have been happening for a long, long time in our Masajid. These are the kind of gatherings that our Kabir have laid the foundation for. This is just a very, very feeble and weak emulation of that. This is not some kind of formal bayan that will take place. Alhamdulillah, we keep having the opportunities of listening to various bayans and talks. So that is an ongoing thing. Here, this is on a very different level, different level meaning very informal to us st- to a point, to read from the kitabs of the Akabir at random, not even anything in sequence. The whole idea is just to learn something from their writings, from their words, and everything that, alhamdulillah, that they have transmitted to us, that they have passed on to us through their writings, through their talks, is all from the Quran and Sunnah. And coming from their explanations because of the type of life that they lived, filled with amal, extent of ikhlas that they had, this brings its own barakat in that advice. And then the issue is that it is the Quran and Sunnah alone that is the guidance. But the correct understanding of the Qur'an and Sunnah, we will get from those who Allah Ta'ala had inspired with that correct understanding due to their taqwa, due to their deep knowledge, due to the extent of their ittibai sunnah, how close they had been in following the sunnah of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So due to all these qualities that Allah Ta'ala had blessed them with, they were inspired with that in-depth understanding as well. And the correct application of the ahadith, of the sunnah of Rasulullah Wasallam will understand from their lives. So this is the need for us to keep referring to their teachings, for us to understand what they are trying to present to us. They are presenting to us nothing but the Qur'an and sunnah, but in an explanation that we can understand easily what is the correct application, how to bring these qualities in our life. So, with that purpose in mind, from time to time, these kind of little gatherings take place, just to revise these lessons, there is nothing new, it's the same lessons that we have learnt many, many times, but it's the same lesson that we need a revision for continuously. There is no end to the revision, the revision will be required lifelong. Many things, to the extent of the importance of it, to that extent is the revision. Surah Fatiha is the crux of the Qur'an Sharif. The message of the entire Qur'an Sharif is encapsulated in Surah Fatiha. The Qur'an Sharif is our book of life. This is our path to guidance. And the Ahadith and the Sunnah of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is the explanation of the Qur'an Sharif. So again, everything comes down to Surah Fatiha. It's all encompassed in here. So this is how important Surah Fatiha is, that it's the crux of the whole Quran Sharif. So therefore, let alone once a day, every day, in every rakat of every salah, we have to revise this. Our salah won't be complete without revising it. Revising in the sense of reciting it. Reciting it and taking its message. That repetition. Daily, not once, twice daily. Every rakat of every salah. We are behind the Imam, the Imam is reciting, he is reciting on our behalf and our own salah we are going to be reciting. So this is that repetition and that revision. This is how important this is, that because Surah Fatiha is so important, this is how much it must be revised, how much it must be repeated. But this unfortunately becomes the situation in our hearts sometimes. That if we have heard something once, twice, thrice, then we feel we've heard this many times, so now there's no need for it. But if we reflect within ourselves, to what extent has this lesson come in our lives? What is the knowledge of it? But the knowledge is not the purpose in itself. The knowledge is a means to an end. The objective is amal. Objective is to bring this knowledge into practical life. If it's something to do with the heart, then the heart becomes conditioned in that manner. If it's something to do with action, then that becomes part of our action. So this is the objective of ilm, that it must bring us to amal, must bring us to khashiyat, and the fear of Allah, wa ta'ala. So therefore, this is not the issue of whether something was Heard before or not, the issue is to reflect to what extent it has come in our lives. So, with that in mind, this is a kitab of our Shaykh Hazrat Mawshah Muhammad Akhtar Sahib Rahmatullah. The title of this kitab is Maarifat-e Ilahiya. This kitab is actually all the lessons that Hazrat had learnt in the time that he was in the company of his Shaykh Hazrat Mawshah Abdul Ghani Pulpuri R.A the 16 years that he spent with him. So he then compiled all, well, all is difficult to say all, but as much as could be brought into this compilation. And this was done in Shawal 1383. It's in 1986, uh, in 1964. So 1964 is more than, almost 55 years ago, that this, Compilation was put together, and this was published. And these were all the teachings of Shah Abdul Ghani Pulpuri, rahmatullahi alayhi, who was a very great personality, very great muhaddis, very great alim, faqih and among the very senior khulafah was of Mashafuli Tanwi, rahmatullahi so this is the aspect that, this is what he's brought in this book, his teachings, Hazrat even writes here that he was extremely pleased when Hazrat had compiled this and presented it to him. On that occasion, Hazrat Mufti Shafi Sahab R.A. was the Grand Mufti of Pakistan in his time. So he had, on one occasion, come. So he had perhaps also received a copy and he read it, and some other compilation of, of Hazrat R.A. So he is saying to Hazrat rahmatullah R.A. in the presence of Shahkamchdar Sahab R.A., who is now the Murid in front of his sheikh, in front of him he's saying to his sheikh that Allah Ta'ala has truly blessed Hakim Akhtar with the ability to put things in a very wonderful way, to present it very beautifully, so that the reader just gets, just gets taken by it, and he wants to, just his heart gets drawn to it. Now he's saying this, he's a great personality in his own right, he's Mufti Azam of the time, and he's saying this to Shah Abdul Ghani Pulpuri Rahmatullahi and Hazrat Shah Ki Maqtir Sahab Rahmatullahi is sitting right there. Hazrat writes that as soon as this was said by Ufti Shafi Sahab Rahmatullahi, he says, Hazrat turned to him immediately. Shah Abdul Ghani Pulpuri Rahmatullahi looked at him immediately and he said to him, Beware, don't ever regard this as your achievement. On the spot, immediately, He addressed him and said, beware, don't ever regard this as your achievement. Now this was islah, form of tarbiyat. And because he had presented himself for that purpose, unfortunately nowadays to a large extent the concept of islah, taskiya, tasawuf, this has become very confined to listening to some talk, and together with that at the most maybe engaging in some tasbihat zikr alhamdulillah that's extremely great even that too is a very big thing but that is not where it ends it only starts there it only starts at that point where a person now he starts linking himself somewhere attending some majalis, and then taking on the talimat and commencing with some tazbihad, zikr, tilawat, mamulat, daily. That's only the start. That's the ABC. Still a long road from there. That is the part of Islah that unfortunately very seldom gets really understood. The actual Islam is that a person now starts making an effort to bring within his life all those qualities that should be there. The taqwa, the muhabbat of Allah wa Ta'ala, contentment, to bring that into his life, to bring zuhud, abstinence, tawakkul, trust in Allah wa Ta'ala, and all the various other noble qualities, so many of these things that need to be acquired. And then on the other side, Ridding his life from all the negatives, cleansing himself out from all the negatives, whether it pertains to the self, inner self, pride, jealousy, malice, love of dunya, love of the ego, whether it's external things, all these sins and vices. So this is that path to Islam thereafter, that a person now makes an effort to rectify his heart and rectify his actions. So unfortunately, the work just gets stopped at one point, and the actual work doesn't really happen. That happens by what is known as ittila and ittiba, that the person whoever he has taken to as his guide, that he will regularly make ittila, he will inform about his situations, his conditions, whatever his issues are. And whatever advice comes, he will then make it, he will follow the prescription. If the medication the person doesn't even get to the doctor to mention what his problem is, then that treatment is never going to start. And then he nevertheless gets there and he does mention what the problems are, and then he's given some prescription, but the prescription is kept on the shelf, he's given some medication that is left in the cupboard. Then perhaps the cupboard might get better, but he's not going to benefit. He will have to take that medication. He will have to now start the treatment. So this is the way in which this isla happens over time. If we look into the incidents of people who really took to this isla, there are many, many incidents which many times we have discussed. But just again that revision that we spoke about earlier, and how people subjected themselves to acquire this isla. It wasn't just some wishful thinking, something that just happened. It was a process. They put themselves through a process. And when they went through this process, then they became what they became. Among the very senior khulafa, was, was Khadr Aziz Al-Hasan, was Khadr Aziz Al-Hasan, he was a person who had a very high position in the government when the English were ruling India. He was on a very high position. And that was a very big thing at that time, that an Indian would be given such a position, very high post, under the British government. He was a person of great caliber, great potential. And from this background and this kind of lifestyle and this kind of early life that he had, Allah put this in his heart that he need he wanted something, he was looking, he was searching. And he came to the company of said, Thani that I want to change my life. I don't want to continue with this kind of life. So in any case, he came. Now he's coming from that background. Forget the mayor of a town. This was way beyond that post. And he was in that post for a long time. Now when he comes? So now he has come also for his Islam. Come for your Islam, then you follow the process. So here, any case, he now also became part of the process. He is attending the majalis, whatever. But to start off with, he's coming from this background where any time something came to his mind, he just said it. Same time, he just gave orders. He gave instructions. People were already always at his beck and call. And he was a natural poet. Anything comes, he would just, something just strikes his mind and he'd be able to say it in poetic form. Somebody who always has been, for years on end, always been, so to say, the boss. and He does whatever he wanted at whatever time, said what he wanted, as he wanted. Now he's come to a place where he's been told, look, you mustn't talk out of turn. And you must only talk when you are told to talk. When you ask something, then you answer. After some time, he was given this instruction. You don't talk until you are given permission to talk. You must ask first, and otherwise you ask a question, then you'll answer. But now, this wasn't his way, this wasn't his habit that he has to stop and ask somebody permission, can I say something? Something came to his mind, he just said it. And then, he's coming from that position where he was always the superior. Everybody else was his junior now he's been told you will talk only when you have granted permission to talk. So any case, this is the instruction now. So says he slipped up, he slipped up and he said something without having first and asked for permission. So when he slipped up, he was cautioned that look this is against what you have been asked to do. You were told please, you must first take permission. You didn't take permission, just said something. Because he was coming from that kind of background, he was put through this to now bring things under control. So he said, "My mistake." After some time, again mistake. After some time, again mistake. Every time, sorry, mistake. Says, "Well, these mistakes are happening too often now." So after one more time, that mistake happened. He says, "See, this is something you're not remembering because of the force of habit that whenever something came to mind, you just said it previously for years on end." So now this is a force of habit, you are not managing to remember it on the spot, when something comes to your mind that hold on, I can't say it now. So now in order to create this consciousness, what you do is, you write on one little like a card, you write the khamosh, silence. And you hang it round your neck and you keep it there. Now can we imagine a person coming from this background that position in among people and who has always looked at in high esteem and whatever else we can understand and imagine very easily. Now he is being told, look, you want to continue being here, then this is the way you're gonna have is gonna happen. And now to remind yourself, you put this it reminds others also not to talk to you without you first getting permission and you also will remember. Now he does that, he subjects himself to that. And for several days, he's walking around, sitting in the mallis, whatever, with this little card hanging on his chest, Khamosh. And obviously, he's going to be extremely conscious about this. He's going to be very, very conscious that what's hanging on my neck. But in a short time, whatever was meant to be achieved, was achieved. Now, he was coming from a, his initial period of time was in a circular background. That's when he finally went up and came into this position that he was in. Then his life changed and he started coming into this direction. So obviously in that process he learned a lot of deen as well. But he wasn't a formal alim. He hadn't gone now to study the alim course somewhere. But he subjected himself to this process of islah and tazkiyah. The outcome of this was, that the time came when Hazrat Tanwi rahmatullah after he passed away, these very same personalities of the time, who were the great ulama of the time, the mashayikh of the time, and who were themselves senior khulafa, of Hazrat Maashavari rahmatullah Rahmatullahi, Mufti Muhammad Shafi rahmatullah Rahmatullahi, the grand mufti of Pakistan, and many others. Now their sheikh passed away, Hazrat rahmatullah Rahmatullahi passed away. They turned to hajar Sahab rahmatullah Alayhi, to now take him as their guide. So, where he had reached, though he wasn't a formal alim, but what the point we're making is, and what we need to understand is, that he didn't get there just by just some wishful thinking, or just casually going through something, in a very committed manner. He went through a process. He subjected himself to the process of Islam in a very committed manner. The outcome of that was that he reached this point. So This was the same thing that was being done here, what we're talking about when Mufti Shafi Sahib Rahmatullah he mentioned to Shah Abdul Ghani Purpuri Rahmatullah that MashaAllah Hakim Akhtar Allah Ta'ala has blessed him with a wonderful ability to present things in such a beautiful manner that he writes in a way that's so captivating. So on the spot this Islam was taking place, beware, don't ever regard this as your achievement. There are two things that become the biggest barriers in a person's progress in deen. The two biggest barriers. And in fact, all the vices get summed up in those, these two things. Whatever vices of the inner self or the outer self by and large, it all gets summed up in these two things. Hubbe jah and the other is hubbe baah. There are many things. But these are the two things. Hubbeja relates to the ego. All the various vices that stem from the ego and relate to the ego. That's one major barrier. Whether it's pride, whether it is that love for fame, that desire for recognition... All the other things that go along in this regard and then the kind of things that flow from it. That is one major obstacle that a person sometimes does so much but he is still same place because he's just going around the block because this major obstacle is in the way. So this is one major obstacle that prevents a person progressing from Deen. And here this is what was being treated, they don't allow this to come in the way. Remember this is not your achievement. Unfortunately, in the times that we are in, this is among the biggest, among the biggest problems that people face. This desire for every step to get some kind of recognition. So in this time of social media, which has become by a large show of media, everything a person has to somehow put it out. I've done this, I'm currently here, I'm doing this, and I'm flying in. Business class or first class and something or the other he has to keep projecting himself out there. To all and sundry, keep presenting himself, projecting himself. So that there's always something that somebody now must look up. Oh, mashallah, this person is gone here or oh, is doing that. So it has become by and large show of media. And in the show of media, the very opposite of what this Islam requires and Taskiyah requires is what is taking place. This requires annihilation. It requires that a person annihilates himself. I am nobody, I am nothing. I am not worthy of any recognition. I am not worthy of a second thought by anybody. If it is anything, it's only Allah Ta'ala's grace. Allah Ta'ala's mercy, Allah Ta'ala has covered my faults. Allah Ta'ala has put some love in the hearts of people, in my family's hearts, in my friends, that there are people who still... Allow me to come and sit around them or sit with them. That is the reality. That is only Allah's grace to annihilate oneself and nobody and not just initially it will be just like a like a theory, like a thought, but to bring that so often and so deeply that the thought becomes the reality. That is not just a just a thought for the sake of thinking, though it initially starts off from there. That well-known statement of his, he says, daily I remind myself, daily, I remind myself that presently I am the lowest of every Muslim. Every Muslim is better than me. Now somebody might say, but if somebody is involved in all kinds of sins and vices and somebody is lying there, he is a Muslim, alhamdulillah but he's is lying there in a the gutter with whatever condition he is. How can you regard him as better than yourself if you are not in that condition with the fazal of Allah ta'ala? So how can we regard that person as better? The point is that who's better and who's not better, you don't say who came out first and who came out last while the race is still on. While the race is still being run and a person starts saying, I won, what did you win? Where are you? Who won and who didn't win, you'll only know at the finishing line. So when it's still in progress, still the race is on. Then that old story for the moral about the hare and the tortoise. And that hare was going, jumping, leaps and bounds. The tortoise would take his own sweet time. So the hare thought, well I'm already there. But then the next tortoise finally overtook it. It's only at the finishing line who came out first and who didn't even make it in time, that will be known then. So while things are still, life is still on, this is not the time to judge who's better. Yes, a sin is a sin, the sin cannot be condoned. The sin cannot be condoned or trivialized or just brushed aside. Sin is a sin, it's a major thing. But... We cannot, at any point, regard ourselves as better than anybody else while we are still in the pro, in the process. We haven't reached the end point yet. When a person has left dunya safely with iman, with the fazeel of Allah Taala, and on the day of Qiyamah he is granted his forgiveness and is given entry to Jannat. now he can say, "I won." And Allah forbid, somebody else is gone in another direction. He can say, "I'm better." Then that person. But till then, till then he doesn't know nothing about himself. He can't make any claims. So, Thamir Haftulale says, daily I remind myself, daily. Now, this is that, part of that same Islam. We, hear something two times, or we say it three times, then it's done for us. He's saying, a person of that caliber, person of that status, and position, person with that amount of taqwa, and, who's the, Sheikhul Mashaikh of the zamana and Mujaddid of the zamana, and yet he's taking this time. This is that commitment to Islam. He's taking this time to remind himself that I am the lowest of every Muslim at this point in time. I'm the lowest of every Muslim, and as a possibility in the future, I'm even lower than every disbeliever. Because I don't know what his end. I don't know what's my end. He might get Iman, and he might progress to a point I can't imagine. Allah forbid, if I start looking down on others, one thing could lead to another, Allah forbid, I can lose my Iman. So as a possibility, this too is a issue. So to remind oneself, every day you say, I'm reminding myself. Now this is that lesson that was being taught here. That don't allow this to come near. This is not your achievement, don't regard it as your achievement. Alhamdulillah, with the fadl of Allah Ta'ala this has happened, attributed to Allah Ta'ala, and attributed to the barakat of one's seniors and elders. It's only their barakat that Allah Ta'ala has showered this fadl, and this karam, and this grace on me, and with that grace of Allah Ta'ala this has happened. Otherwise, nothing of mine. Whether this relates to anything in deen, any achievement of deen, whether it relates to anything of dunya because this too is shaitan is our avowed enemy and he will try whatever he can to try and derail the person to try and bring the person away from allah so whether it's in a dunya line shaitan will bring this that this is your achievement and you are now you've really done something And it's because you did this and that, therefore all this happened. So, Shaitan would keep whispering these things. And if the heart has taken it, then the heart has taken Shaitan's bait. If the heart has taken it, then the heart has taken Shaitan's bait. And then this starts getting reeled in. And then one thing leads to another. And this then makes a person the Firaun of the time. Then that pride and arrogance comes to another level where everything starts becoming me and I. And without me and I, nothing will happen. And what I say, that is what will happen. This takes a person to that Fir'auniyat. So all the time to keep checking, keep checking, I'm nobody, I'm nothing, I've done nothing. It's only Allah Ta'ala's grace that something has happened. Allah Ta'ala wills, and everything can get turned around in one moment. Allah Ta'ala wills He can take a person from the bottom right to the top in one moment. Allah Ta'ala protect us. Somebody from the top can fall right to the bottom in one moment. And the waqiyat and the incidents in the hadith, there are so many of how somebody right from the top fell, how somebody from the bottom went right to the top in one moment. So all the time, this is a mu'min's, true mu'min's heart. He's all the time in fear. He's in hope and in fear. He is never complacent, and he never regards anything as his, his achievement. So this was just, we were discussing something about, out of this introduction to this booklet, where, inshallah, had compiled all these sayings of Hazrat Shah Abdul Ghani Pulpuri, rahmatullahi, and when he presented it, and on that occasion when Haddad Mufti Shafi Sahab, made this comment in Acknowledgement and in praise of Hazrat Shaakim rahmatullah sahab Immediately this islah was done To avoid any kind of This was obviously Hazrat Very early years 55 years ago Hazrat might have been at that time in his maybe early 30s At that time Mashallah Allah had used him already for such a great Work And This is what was then presented Just to now At random there are some things that we will read and just explain. Again, as mentioned right at the beginning, this is not a bayan; it's not just some talk or lecture on one topic. And the purpose is merely to learn something from the lives of our Kabir, so it doesn't require any sequence in the aspects that will be discussed. One aspect that is being discussed here is. <laughs> There's one couplet of Mala Rum Rahmutulale, which is being referred to here, and in that couplet he is primarily addressing the people of knowledge, but everybody else at the same time. So he's saying, Tal Rab Guzar Marde Hal Show. So how long you're going to keep just rattling off references and all the various, uh, words only? That now you've digested volumes upon volumes and now you are rattling off all the various references and you have all the words with you but how long you're going to confine yourself to the words alone? Leave the words out now. Leave the words out doesn't mean that these are not necessary. It means that that alone is not going to be the solution. So don't confine yourself to that. Kal rabo guzar, rather marde hal show. Become a marde hal. Become a person whose hal and his condition has become what is in the words. So it's not just theory, but it is the very condition of his heart. It is the very condition of his life. He is living it. So he is not just a person of words. He is a person of action. He is a person of condition. So become this. But then how are you going to become this? Then he says, If you really want to get there, then the only way is to put yourself at the feet of a person who is a who is a, who is a person of who has reached that point of the connection with Allah wa ta'ala, so you lay yourself at his feet, let him tramp over you. Peshe mardhe kamele pa'mal sho. Pa'mal literally means that somebody is being walked over. Now, it doesn't mean literally being walked over, meaning that you have now annihilated your self, and you are taking his direction, then you'll get there someday. Doesn't happen in one day, but you'll get there someday but it happens when this is the manner in which you commit yourself peshe marde kaamile paamal sho so this is what hazrat is referring to and then he says baqawle hazrat khaja sahab rahmatullah alay har tamanna dil se rukhsat ho gayi ab to aaja ab to khalwat ho this is a famous couplet of hazrat khaja sahab rahmatullah which is recited generally in the during the zikr etc that every desire has left the heart. Ya Allah, now you fill my heart with your muhabbat. Ab to aaja. Ab to khalwat Now my heart has become emptied. Ya Allah, now this heart has become available for your love, for you. In the kalima, which is the very foundation of our iman, it all starts off with negation. The very foundation of our iman... Starts off with negation, La Ilaha, negating all the Ghayrullah. The Ghayrullah is not confined only to some idol that people worshipped. That is definitely Ghayrullah. But even the ego is Ghayrullah. Where a person starts getting directed by that ego, even those haram desires are Ghayrullah anything that comes in the way of reaching allah taala getting closer to allah taala all this is ghayrullah anything illicit is ghayrullah whatever tempts a person towards sin is all ghayrullah so all these things whatever is within the limits of sharia even those aspects that a person his heart gets attached to there's a love in his heart but which is within the limits of deen and sharia he loves his parents, that's not just jais, that's something required. He loves his family, he loves his children. Those permissible things that is part of, provided it is within that permissible limit, and it is not pushing him towards any transgression, that is not ghairullah. That is not ghairullah. Ghairullah so is what takes a person away from Allah he's gonna take him away from Allah ta'ala, that's ghairullah. So, when the heart has been cleared of Ghayrullah, that's when the love of Allah ta'ala comes. Then when Allah ta'ala comes into that heart. Once one person, he came to the madrasa, so, now, whatever work he had, and then when he was leaving, suddenly is asking that you have an ether bottle, empty ether bottle. I didn't realize what he's asking for. So I looked around and there was one which the eater had just had got used up. It was empty. So I picked that up with a small little bottle. I said, well, I got this. I don't know. Is this what you're looking for? I didn't have any idea what he was asking for. So he was somebody who I had no idea at that time. He used to deal in Oud. or oh, he deals in Oud. The very high quality Oud. So now you want to give some hadiah. But now he had maybe that one canister of his, so he wanted to decant some in one bottle. So this was an empty bottle. It was an empty bottle, but it previously had some ether in it. And that was now all used up. So he took it and he looked at it. He said, you have another one? I said, no, I don't have another one. He said, no, no, I can't, can't put it in this. So now I realize, now he wants to put some So he said, no, look, look, you might find another one. I said, no, I don't have another one. He said, no, if I put that oud in this, it will spoil it. Because this had some other ether previously, which wasn't anywhere close to that quality of the oud I want to put in it. So now I'm going to, now this is already empty. It's got probably some little bit of residue on the corners and somewhere, wherever, some. Now he doesn't want to put that oud of his inside this bottle that is empty. You can't even see the residue. He probably could see it, I couldn't. But he is not prepared to put his oud inside this bottle. Why? Because whatever this little bit of that low quality ether compared to that oud was in it, he says it is not going to, it is not going to buffet putting that oud into this bottle. Now this is this oud of dunya. In this bottle which is clean, it had ether also in it. It didn't have some impurity in it, it had ether also. And It's now barely some little bit of residue here and there. or Maybe, Allah will how much. But he didn't find this befitting to put his high quality ood in it. Now can we imagine that the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala's grandeur and azmat, and a person wants to bring that into his heart, but that heart is not just with some low quality things, there's filth in it. Let alone being something that was clean but of a low quality, like this ether was, ether, it was clean, it was pure, but it was of low quality compared to that oath. So he didn't find it befitting to put his oath in that bottle. It's not good enough. And now we want to bring the love of Allah ta'ala in our hearts, we want to bring Allah in our hearts, but we're not prepared to clean that heart out. We're not prepared to remove that ghayrullah. Not prepared to Cleanse that heart out of all the evils and vices. Cleanse the heart out of this ego. And we still desire us, without making this effort to cleanse the heart out, that no, this too, without doing this, I must still get the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala. I must still get that nisbat and that connection with Allah Ta'ala. How is it going to happen? When this insan doesn't want to put his ood in a bottle which had ether in it, Allah Ta'ala is going to put his pure muhabbat into a heart that is filthy and dirty. All kinds of the worst filth in it. How is it going to happen? So this is the starting point. The negation of all the ghairullah and cleansing the heart out of every wrong and evil advice. All this dirt and filth to remove it from the heart. So this is what is being expressed here. That harta dil se ho gayi. This is not a claim. It's not a claim. The Ahlullah, this is their kalam, which is not a claim that now I've reached this maqam, I've reached this position that my heart is now totally empty of anything and everything that is ghayrullah. This is a dua actually. This is a dua. Or alternately, this is explaining. The person who is now saying it, he's not claiming something for himself. He is giving a description of the hearts of the Ahlullah. That this is their hearts. That after every desire which takes a person away from Allah Ta'ala was annihilated, was removed. There was, the person's ego was annihilated. All the other things were totally cleansed out. So then what happened was, Har tamanna dil se rukhsat ho gayi, ab to aaja, ab to khalwat ho gayi. Ya Allah, now there's khalwat. Khalwat meaning now there is this solitude. Now there's no one else. Allah, now the space is alone for you. Now that muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala comes in, and that nisbat and connection with Allah Ta'ala takes its place. So, this is that very, very important lesson, that a person wishing to make any progress in deen, it starts off with this annihilation. He wants to progress, then keeping this ana, this I, this me, as long as this ana is there, when this ana is, he's not prepared to make fun of it. He's not prepared to annihilate it. Then this is the biggest barrier. This comes in the way. This is that hubbe jah. He said that all the evils and vices, generally, the two major obstacles that are in the person's path. Is not the only things, but these are the two very major things, which become the biggest obstacles. One is this hubbe this love of the ego and the things that then stem out of this. And the other is hubba ba, is the sins that relate to lust. These are the two major obstacles. A person brings these two things under control, the road is open. And if one just reflects and thinks about it, that generally these are the one of the two things. Whatever it is, it all stems out of one of these two things which become the problem. One of these two things becomes a problem. A person's anger is out of that jar. If he's annihilated that jar, that anger will be under control. Anger is part of insan, it's not that he won't feel angry, but he will be able to control the anger. The Quran Sharif doesn't command us not to experience anger. That's a human emotion. And there's a need for that anger. There are occasions when that anger is necessary to be expressed. When the law of Allah Ta'ala is being trampled, then a person, there's a need for the anger at that time to be expressed. But obviously in the correct manner. So in any case, that anger has its place. So anger is part of a human emotion. It's going to be there. But what the Qur'an Sharif commands, al-ghayz. Well, those who suppress that anger, it's gonna be there, but they're gonna suppress it. So, when that ja has been controlled, in that anger, the person won't say things that are out of, the, out of the limits. And if that Hubbe ja hasn't been controlled, if that Hubbe ja and that ego is still at a the high, then as soon as that anger starts welling in, the person will start blurting anything and everything it won't occur to him that who am I speaking to? Is this the manner of speaking? How am I saying something? It won't matter to him. At that time he'll forget everything because the jar takes over. And at that time the person forgets that whether he's speaking to his seniors or juniors, whether he's speaking to his elders whoever it might be, speaking to his parents, speaking to his grandparents, Everything just gets left by the side. That anger just takes over. And that anger comes from this hubba ja. And now when the person hasn't learned how to suppress it because that ja is so high, then now that anger then results in so many things. And then that anger sometimes can't get vented. But that hubba ja is there. But because of whatever the reasons are, he couldn't vent it. So now that anger just boils within, and it turns into malice and then he'll be looking out for some way or the other to exact some revenge in some way or the other if he can't do something else, some way he'll try to harm the person in some way or the other nothing works, he'll make some ghibat of him if nothing else he gets opportunity for he'll make some ghibat somewhere he'll make some bhutan and some slander somewhere just to try and just bring this Anger down in some way that well okay I, I said something negative about him, somebody's gonna think ill of him now, so I got my revenge in some way. So this stems all from this ja this anger, this jealousy is also from this ja Or rather, this is more from the hubba. There's a kind of lust as well that a person now wants everything for himself, nobody must have anything, or nobody must be better than him, nobody must be ahead of him. It's fine if they have something but not ahead of him. Now this is the lust. Lust of dunya. So it all stems from one of these two things. This hubbe ja or hubbe ba. And this is what the mashaykh, their effort is that this must get annihilated. This must get chopped at the root. This must get uprooted. And to the extent that this effort has been made to uproot this, now a person... Can react correctly. He still be faced with the challenges of dunya. Whatever challenges others face, he will face too. It face, there's some ups and downs in dunya. This is life of dunya. Dunya is not jannat. We can never expect dunya to be jannat. It is not jannat. So challenges will come. But when this hubbe ja and hubbe ba has been brought under control through the process of isla and taskiyah, then he will be able to react correctly. Somebody has provoked him, but he'll still be able to maintain his dignity. Somebody has trampled his right and he wants to claim it, so he's entitled to do that. But he'll do it in a way that doesn't cross the boundaries himself. Otherwise he was Muslim, and he'll go about trying to demand his right in such a way that he'll become Zalim also. So that person was already a Zalim, he'll become sometimes a bigger Zalim in return. Because, there's some other emotions now that are going to take over. So now that hubba Jah will take over, so now one thing will lead to another, there won't be any control, any line to draw anywhere. So this is what the effort is, to bring this Hubbe Jah and Hubbe Bah under control. And this is when these things are cleared, these obstacles are cleared, now that Khalwat has been achieved. Because without this khalwat, the heart is all the time occupied in one of these things. The heart is all the time occupied in one of these things. How to either these lusts, whether it is the haram lusts of the sins of the flesh, person wants to now get involved in something or the other, whether it is the zina of the eyes, whether it is the zina of the heart, whether it is some Illicit contact with someone. So his heart and mind is now preoccupied with this all the time. So where is Allah Ta'ala going to come in? When that ood is not going to be poured into that bottle that had some ether in it already, where is Allah Ta'ala's love going to come in that heart which is contaminated? This has to be cleansed out. So now the heart is going to be preoccupied with all this. So where is a person going to make any progress? we will be going around the same block. And if it is this jah, that how this position can be attained, and how this recognition can come, and how can I be also given that acknowledgement, then the heart and mind is preoccupied with this, then where is the heart going to be focused towards, how can I gain acceptability in the court of Allah ta'ala? How can I gain the pleasure of Allah ta'ala? Allah must become pleased. That is the most important aspect. The rest of it, in fact, in the du'as of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, we have been taught these aspects. That this must not be our aspiration. Dunya is our need. Dunya is a need. Then, a person will make his moderate effort for that need of dunya. In that moderate effort, Allah Ta'ala will grant somebody what is decreed for him, and grant somebody else what is decreed for him. Allah, Allah give to everyone. But that is not an aspiration. That is a need. The dua of Rasulullah sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam among the many duas of this nature, one of the duas is, that Allahumma la taj'ali dunya akbar hammina. Ya Allah, don't make the dunya our greatest concern. Now, sometimes we just analyze that the whole day the different concerns that a person now had over the day concern for this and concern for that now some is necessary he's got a concern now that to take care of his family to sort out whatever the needs are that's not just a concern that's an obligation <inaudible> to earn a halal living is an obligation but to earn a halal living to fulfill the needs is an obligation Whatever the level is to fulfill the needs, but where dunya becomes a concern as an objective in itself, that's now gone way beyond the limit. That is what is being, the Bismillah is teaching us to seek refuge from. Allahumma la dunya akbara and I don't make dunya my greatest concern. Now, if a person thinks about it the whole day, how many times was he in some concern, some fikr, some thought? About his own deen. What is my condition of, the condition of my deen? My salah. What is the condition of the control of my gaze? The condition of the control of my tongue? How much have I misused my tongue today? How much did I deliberately engage my heart in some evil? One is the involuntary thought, the waswasa of shaitan that is to be ignored. But how many times did I deliberately engage myself, my heart in some evil, deliberately think and cook up some evil in my heart? And now having thought about that, then immediately realizing, innalillah, this was a terrible thing I did, making istighfar, seeking Allah's forgiveness, making an azam and a determination that now I need to change this, tomorrow I won't do the same thing. This is part of that muhasabah. Muhasabah, taking an account of oneself, and in this process of muhasaba, a person is taking stock, he'll find some losses, he'll find some profits sometimes, find some things were damaged. In taking stock, he'll find all these things will come up. But when he takes stock, then he'll see it. He doesn't take stock. It'll sound everything like everything is going very well. But sometimes he takes stock and gets a shock. What I thought was going very well, there's a huge hole here. And in the red, how often this has happened. That a person thought everything was going very well, until somebody opened his eyes out to the reality. And then he realized what a big problem there is, but he's just all covered up from the top. So when the person takes talk about himself, how did I spend my day? That muhasaba. Hasibu, qabla أنتُ حاسبu. Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anh, you say, take an account of yourself before that day when your account will be taken. وَزَيّنُوا أَنفُسَكُمْ لِلْأَرْضِ الأكبر. Adorn yourself for the greatest presentation. When a person in Dunya has got one small little interview somewhere, so now he wants to make himself very presentable. And if there's something beyond a small interview, maybe he's getting married, then nowadays they say no, even there's beauty palace for men. So we don't know what level things are going to. Beauty palace for men. So now the person now He wants to present himself. So all these kind of things, these are all the, when there's an abundance of wealth, and there's a lack of direction, now if a person has, one is he's walking, and he doesn't know where he's going, but he's walking, so how far he's going to go off the track? He's walking, he'll go probably one kilometer, two kilometers off the track, and suddenly he'll realize, no I'm lost, he'll probably take a U-turn and come back. Oh if he slips because he took the wrong turn somewhere, he'll slip and just fall there. Somebody will help you wake up and carry on walking. So if he's walking at that pace, walking the risks are so much lesser. But he's driving at high speed and he gets lost, he goes off the track somewhere, he might realise hundred kilometers later I'm somewhere else. And if in that high speed he took a wrong turn somewhere, turned too fast somewhere, he'll capsize that vehicle, Allah forbid what might happen. And then if he's flying in the air, if he's flying in the air in an aircraft, and that is going one degree of course. Forget hundred degrees and ten degrees and one degree of course. In a few hours he could be in another continent. Where he's headed to, he could finish off in another continent. So to the extent that the speed at which a person is going, that's how much the risks are. So likewise in dunya, the extent of dunya that a person has depends, that is determining the speed at which he is going. That is the extent of risk that apply also. And then if the person is flying high, but he is one degree of cause, it can be very dangerous. Then it means now that then you have to be a super pilot. You have to be a pilot then, you can't get somebody who can ride a bicycle. Getting to fly a plane. Person knows how to ride a bicycle very well, and he can ride it on. One person one day overtook me while I was driving somewhere. He was on a motorcycle, so he overtook me. He overtook me on one wheel. He was playing some showing off or something, whatever. Suddenly, he just saw something pass, and then I looked again. Whether I was looking right, whether I was dreaming. And definitely the fellow was on one wheel, the other wheel was in the air. So mashallah, he can do all those tactics and pranks, ride that motorcycle on one wheel, it doesn't mean he can fly that plane. He needs to be a pilot to fly the plane. And if he's not a pilot, it doesn't mean he can go on one wheel here on the ground, then he'll do it right in the air without wheels. Can be very dangerous. He must learn to be a pilot first. So likewise, In dunya, to the extent of dunya, to that extent a person must have that taqwa also. To that extent a person must have his focus. To that extent a person must have that caution. To that extent there must be that muhasabah. Otherwise that one degree off can become dangerous. The person walking goes one degree off, he'll probably hit one wall somewhere and come back. He gets ten degrees off too, he'll probably bump into one tree somewhere. And realize, okay, I made a mistake here, I must take a turn. Damage will be very minimal. But the person flying in the air, very risky. If he is not a pilot. So this, in this dua we were talking about, where Rasulullah says, Allahumma la taj'ali dunya akbarahammina. Allah, do not let the dunya become our greatest concern. Dunya is earning a halal living, that's not, as mentioned, not just a concern, it's an obligation. So obviously, in getting a person's day-to-day work sorted out, running his business, getting his job done, his profession, there's going to be things he's going to have to apply his mind to, to do what is necessary to get the job done. He's going to have to apply himself. But this is part of the need. But that doesn't become the obsession. That doesn't become... What ticks in his life all the time? That's the thing that ticks his life from minute to minute, second to second. Then whether he's at his work or whether he's in the masjid, that's where his heart and mind is. Whether he's at home, that's where his heart and mind is. This is what he's being sought refuge from. Allahumma la taj'ali dunya akbar mina. Wala mablaga ilmina. Allah, let this not be the peak of my knowledge. That my understanding of deen, my knowledge of deen is at a certain low level, and dunya is the peak of my knowledge. I know a lot about dunya, very little about my deen. Let alone deeper aspects about deen, meaning the things that relate to our day-to-day life. And not just confined to amal that of the external self, but just as they are faraiz pertaining to the external self, salah, fasting, zakat, hajj, they are faraiz of the internal self, which we discussed earlier, bringing all those qualities in our hearts, removing all the evil, all this requires ilm, it requires learning about it. So, ya Allah, don't let this dunya become the peak of my ilm. ilmina wala غَايَةَ Rahbatina. Ya Allah, let it not be the pinnacle of my aspirations. That my aspirations are only dunya. Meaning, this is the thing that now I dream about. This is what I'm all the time planning something. This is what I only wish for. This is my hopes. wala غَايَةَ rahbatina. Ya Allah, let not my the pinnacle of my aspirations be dunya. My aspirations must be akhirat. Dunya is a need. So as a need, I will attend to the need. But my aspirations are akhirat. And even how to convert this dunya into the aspiration of akhirat. That how you can convert this dunya, that this too must become a means of earning the akhirat. So now, the niyat that goes into it, the manner in which it is done, the person is very conscious, very careful, all this I must do according to what will please Allah Ta'ala, not anything out of line. And the niyat must be very clear, it must not just be in order to now also live up with the Joneses as they say, or just to put some label on myself also, that I also have this, I can do that, I can go here and there. No, no, that should never be the... It must be for the right intentions. that Whatever Allah Tala will grant risk, I will take care of the needs of my family. I will then spend on the cause of deen. I'll help those who don't have anything. Those who are going to bed without a meal at night. Those who don't have a proper roof over their heads. Those who are in some difficult circumstances. I'll share what Allah Taala's gifts and na'mats are and bounties I'll share with them so this this dunya which is apparently dunya will become deen this too become deen and it will become an investment in akhirat so ya allah make my aspirations akhirat مبل- Then nabi the sallallahu says ya allah don't place over us people who will not have mercy upon us now, there's a very important question here that in this dua and everything about Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's words everything has a very deep meaning in it there is nothing just haphazard something just came by chance without any real significance in it No, even the sequence there is a significance but now there is the big question here that the first three things in this dua Ya Allah don't allow dunya to become our greatest concern, number one number two, don't allow dunya to become the Peak of our knowledge. Number three, don't allow dunya to become the pinnacle of our aspirations. And then number four, ya Allah, don't appoint such people over us who won't have mercy upon us. Such people ruling over us who will be merciless. Where's the link? These first three things are all pertaining to dunya, about not having it as a greatest concern, as the peak of the aspirations, etc. And where's the link with this last aspect? Alumma explained that what is being taught to us here is that look, make sure this is never the case. That dunya becomes the greatest concern, dunya becomes the peak of the knowledge, dunya becomes the pinnacle of the aspirations. If this becomes the condition, then beware of the last part. Then that will bring along that last part, that such people will then be appointed to rule over you, who will have no mercy over you such people will be appointed as rulers ba'd بَعْضَ ba'dan bima yaksibun. Allah ta'ala says we sometimes appoint some Zalim over another Zalim. One Zalim is appointed over another Zalim because of what that Zalim did. So now he is, this one Zalim is being used as a stick. But he will also face the consequences of his Zulm. So this is that lesson and the message in here that these aspects should not be allowed to creep in a person's heart, that the dunya becomes the peak of his aspirations, he's only dreaming dunya, he's only aspiring for dunya, and the aspiration for jannat is just like a distant thought, well, inshallah, we'll get there. The aspiration to improve the a'mal that will take one to Jannat. I want to better my salah, I want to make the out of the Qur'an Sharif, a part of my daily life it must not just be there one day and one day not there and i decided some portion two days and five days i missed it i want to make this part of my daily practice that aspiration i want to get closer to allah ta'ala my heart i want it to get filled with this muhabbat of allah ta'ala others are mashallah making so much of effort for deen i want to become somebody who makes effort for deen these aspirations the heart becoming such that is aspiring deen. Aspiring the closeness to Allah wa ta'ala. Aspiring that muhabbat of Allah ta'ala. Now that, that is what we need to now develop. So, when this will become the condition of the heart, and a person now will bring himself in this direction, then Allah ta'ala's rahmat and mercy comes. Allah Ta'ala appoints such people who would then have mercy on that community, on that nation. So, coming back to that, where we started off on that couplet was the Khaadah He says, that every desire has now left my heart. Ya Allah, this heart has now achieved this khalwat. It's now completely in solitude. Ya Allah, this heart is now empty for your love, meaning it's now ready to take your love in ready to connect itself with you. Now when this heart is connected to Allah, wa ta'ala, then this life of dunya becomes different. Then a person's life in dunya becomes very different. One person wrote to Hazard rahmatullah Akhtasa, at that time there was a very, very severe condition in Pakistan. Things were in a very difficult situation. The political situation, and other major crises were taking place. So this person wrote up asking for some advice. That I'm in mean, this really, I just can't seem to have any peace and overwhelmed with all these conditions that are taking place throughout the country. So his reply was very brief. His reply was extremely brief, and in that reply, all he stated was, "What are you worried about? What are you worried about?" because if you are connected to Allah Ta'ala, then Allah Ta'ala is in control over everything. Allah Ta'ala will take care of your situation. Things beyond you, you make dua for it. You make dua for yourself, dua for your family, dua for your community, dua for your country, dua for the whole world. Make a lot of dua and turn to Allah Ta'ala in all earnestness and increase your amal But apart from that, what is in your control is, your situation, if you are connected to Allah Ta'ala, His hikmat and wisdom in everything is beyond our comprehension, but you submit yourself to Him, what you would worry about? Now the words, we would read it many times, listen to it many times, speak it many times, and we still wonder what we are talking about. We will still be trying to figure out what are we saying, what are we reading, what are we listening to? On the one hand, the person is talking about all these major crises that are taking place and which are actually engulfing the whole country and it's like a fire around. And I say, what are you worried about? The advice sounds, doesn't seem to fit in. The thing actually is, that sometimes when these Ahlullah write, they write their heart. and They write, they write their heart, meaning... Because they are so much at peace, that what just comes out. What are you worried about? Because they've already got that condition, their hearts are in that condition. That in the midst of all the challenges, they're also human. So they also feel some of the challenges physically, whatever. But their hearts are so connected to Allah Ta'ala, that the heart is not taking any real effect from the situations around. Allah Ta'ala has hikmat in all this. Submit to Allah Ta'ala and be at peace with the situation, their hearts are so much at peace, that is what was being written about. That was actually an expression of what his own condition was. What are you worried about? If you connect it to Allah, what do you have to worry? Now when this happens, it happens on the same point. Up to aaja, up to khalwat ho gayi. When that khalwat has been attained, when the person's heart has been cleared and cleansed from all the ghairullah. And the muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala has settled deeply in that heart. And the heart is connected to Allah Ta'ala. Now that heart got no worry. That heart is not in any harm. Yes, insan is insan. He might sometimes be shedding tears also. But the heart is at peace with Allah Ta'ala. So this is where the starting point is. (laughs) annihilating the heart, all the ego. Cleansing the heart out of all these vices, these evils. And again, where all this starts off from? The process starts off by subjecting ourselves to somebody's guidance. It's not just a theory. It's not just something that will happen by reading something or by listening to something. It's a process. And it's a formal process. It's a process that people went through in a committed manner. We spoke about that in Siddharth of Khadija Khadiyah Rahmatullah Many, many incidents of this nature. Where people were taken through the paces. And sometimes the you mashayikh know, would put a person without him realizing how he's been taken through the paces. And he would sort him out in that, in that short while, sort him out completely. One person came to the Thamuddin Ahmtul He was a very wealthy person, very prominent person. So Now he came to become bayat In India at that time, the style was that if anything, anything of some function or something of happiness or some celebration of some sort. So now there must be one big distribution of mitai or sweetmeats. So now any small thing, any big thing, now the person according to his capacity, he must make it an occasion. Now this person was coming to become bayat, so he brought one servant of his with a big tray of mitai on his head. Now he's coming to do it in style. So now when he came, I saw him and he immediately read the situation in one one glance. What's going on here? So, he told this person, no, no, mashallah, very good. Uh, probably there must have been correspondence before that. And he might have told him, okay, now you come, find me. Fine, we'll do the bayat. So now when he got the permission, he came, but he came in this manner. He came to do it in style. But said, no, don't worry, we'll do it just now. What you do is that, we won't be able to do it immediately. So... Tell this person, put that tray down and let him go now. How long do you want to keep him waiting? Send him away. So now he was told to send him away, so he sent him away. After a while I said, well, actually, see, I got to another engagement, some work down at another place. So I need to go there now, so you come along and we'll do the bayat there. So now that servant who is gone and this bayat has to happen in the same style still. You can't leave the bittai here. Mithai has to go along, but who's going to carry the Mithai now? So now he had to take it and put it on his head. And he'd never carried anything like this before with that weight. And others then deliberately went walking and went through the places where the roads were busy a little. Now this person, he is very conscious about himself right now. And everybody is watching me carrying this big thali, this whole tray on my head. Like I'm the servant, all this while everybody else was doing everything for me, now I became the servant here. So now obviously this was really doing something within. As I got there to that place, whatever work had to be done there, he said, look, not here, there's one other, some work to do further down, we'll do the bayat there. So now he made him walk again, and he did this another two, three times. By the time he reached the last place that he finally had to go to, and finally he did the formality of the bayat, by that time this person, all that khanas was gone. Half that pride or more than half or three-quarter of it, because now that whole style that he wanted to do everything in, already that style got styled out. And whatever those, that ego, and I'm somebody, and I'm something, in carrying that train, walking through that half the town, already all that got washed away. But to start off with, one was the way in which this was done, The other thing is that he too was nevertheless committed. He could have stopped to say, look, I didn't do this in my life, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to walk with this on my head. Wait, I'll have to go and call my servant again and come. But he understood that, look, if I want to get somewhere, now this instruction, I'm going to have to do this. Whatever he had come with, but he had come with commitment. He came with commitment That commitment made him undertake that without... Though he didn't feel happy about doing it, he was very, very probably embarrassed about it because he's coming from that lifestyle now and he must carry this and walk around. But he did it. But when he did it, it achieved the end result. This is the process by which this has always happened. We need to commit ourselves to this process of Islam and Tazkiyah, inshallah, with the Fazl of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala will open the doorway for us as well. Allah Ta'ala give us a taufeeq.